Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm so glad that you could join me again this week. This is an Advent episode. It's an episode that, to be honest, uh, I'm not at my best today. I am sick. I'm coughing a lot. I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit. But because I'm recording this on November 26th, the day before Advent begins in 2016, I wanted to make sure we got an Advent episode in and just kind of get it under the wire here. Uh, So I'm going to be sharing part four in our series of the sermons of Karl Barth, and I'm going to be sharing one of his Advent sermons. Uh, from December 22nd, 1918. Uh, You may hear some background noise because I am here at my home. My son is out in the other room. I've locked myself back in our bedroom. Um, And my wife and my son are in the other room playing with toys and watching TV. So you may hear some noise. Uh, Hopefully it won't be too much uh, to distract you from the podcast today. But I just wanted to give you a little background on that. And hopefully I won't be coughing too much. And I would hate for that to distract from the wonderful words of Karl Barth that I'm going to be sharing today in a sermon that I really, really like. Um, Just before I begin that, I do want to let you know that this week we are being featured on podbean.com for their uh, funding program. They are trying to help podcasts get funding for their shows, and they have chosen us this week uh, to be featured on their website. So if you are thinking of an end-of-the-year donation and you wanted to give to something that you enjoy, uh, we could use your help. Uh, It does cost money to make this podcast. It's not a money-making endeavor at all. I get to make a lot of different friends and meet a lot of different people through the podcast, but there's not a lot of money that comes in, and the bills do come due for me generally at the end of the year. So if you're able to give anything at all, uh, just think of maybe all the hours of episodes that you have listened to and think what they're worth to you, and if you're able to make a gift to the show of Voices in My Head, that would be wonderful. You can go to podbean.com, or you can look up rickleyjames.podbean.com, I believe is our web address where you can find that, and if you'd like to make an end of the year donation uh, toward the podcast to help us continue making these episodes and help to cover the costs uh, for all the bandwidth, it would be very appreciated. And if you can't, that's fine too, but I always like to uh, to make that uh, an option if you are a person who likes to give to podcasts you listen to. I know there's only so much money in the world, and I appreciate it uh, whenever you give selflessly, as you have done for me many, many times before through the podcast and through music, and uh, if you are able to give, we really appreciate that. But mostly I appreciate you just listening to the show and giving me your feedback on that. I hope that you're finding it beneficial. I hope that it's a help to you. And I hope that this sermon, written in 1918 and delivered on December 22nd, 1918, will be a blessing to you. 1918 was a big year for Karl Barth and for the country he lived in because the Great War had ended, World War II was finished, and personally, in the light, or 
I think I said World War II. I meant World War I. Um, but personally, in his own life, he finished his commentary on Romans. And that, as you can imagine, is a huge deal for an author, a theologian, a teacher, a pastor. Uh, writing is hard work, and he finished it. So it was a good year for him. This sermon is about the life and the light of all people. John 1 verses 1 through 5. So I'm going to begin with that passage and then I'm going to read the words of the sermon and I'll do my best even in my sickly voice to deliver this as well as I can. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness. We live from this truth. This shining light is like the air we breathe. We live from it without thinking about it. All that we know and have that is joyful, beautiful, and beloved comes from this shining light. But like children who reject their parents, we can be ungrateful and forget the source from which we receive the best we have. Yet the source never ceases to flow, and we never cease to drink from it. We can indeed sit in a corner with the minuscule light of our own wisdom and righteousness and act as if this little light were the only right one in the world, the one that should illumine God and all other human beings. Even such minuscule lights would have no brightness at all if it were not for that great shining light. Without knowing it, we have kindled our little lights from that light. It is impossible to hide from that shining light behind the curtains of our excuses and misunderstandings, behind the bushes of our sins and lies like Adam and Eve. It shines, if only a little, through all of that. Even the deepest recesses into which we may creep are not entirely dark, and we are glad of it. In spite of all our contradictions and lack of understanding, this shining light is given, and we live from it. The light shines. We may hear this as a message of joy, good news, gospel for us and the whole world. We may, may proclaim it courageously and defiantly against all the darkness of our time, against the darkness in our own hearts, in our community, in the hospitals, mental institutions, and prisons, against the darkness in our conversations with one another and in the newspapers that we read, against the darkness that darkens so many sick beds and the beds of the dying, and against the pernicious darkness of our own social conditions. Without hesitations, we may proclaim against all darkness the light shines. It remains true to itself. It remains what it is even in the deepest darkness, and that is why it shines, because it is true. We may be courageous and defiant. There is no reason to doubt and despair, to give up and to think only somber and hopeless thoughts about ourselves, our community, and today's world. There is no reason to draw back from any power of darkness. If we could forget what is essential and most important, there would be cause to draw back, but we can never entirely forget it. The light shines. That is what must be and remain most important over against all that is otherwise true, all that otherwise occupies and fills our minds and hearts and causes us to be burdened with care. 
For in the Savior, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, the light is a power of God for all who are honest and upright. Based only on ourselves, we human beings really do not understand life. Based on ourselves, on what we think, decide, and do, we will always be in error of answering the most important questions, even with the best of intentions. We see so many people whose intentions are good and mean well, but who are in the greatest error about life and whose actions are very dark only because they base everything they do on themselves. In the previous sermon, we spoke of the closed doors that confront a person who willingly lives and understands life based on oneself alone. We live in a world full of confusion and a lack of understanding, full of violence and distress, and all of it comes from this willing to live based on ourselves. Now, however, in the Savior, something beyond us, something from the other side has begun to move. The life has now revealed itself. The truth has appeared. The eternal has come into time. The love of God has been poured out. God has given the course of the world another direction. It is as if God has said to humanity, Now things are based not on you, but on me. Based on you, on your thought and actions, there was sin. Based on me, there is forgiveness and the power of a new life. Based on you, there is distress and affliction. Based on me, there is help and salvation. Based on you, there is always opposition, one against the other. Based on me, there is togetherness and being for one another. Based on you, there are all kinds of false valuations of greatness, position, money, education. Based on me, there is humility and fellowship. Based on you, there is coarseness, violence, severity, and much noise-making. Based on me, there is fine, quiet interior. Based on you, the most exalted Lord and ruler is death. Based on me, there is eternal life. That is how we might imagine God telling us of the change that has come about through Jesus Christ, a fact that can never be undone. In the Savior, an understanding, a perceiving recognition of our true life has come into humanity. As long as we are based on ourselves, this true life remains a mystery, something concealed and locked away, but it has now been opened to humanity and is its light. The honest and upright recognize the change, and for them the light shines clearly, the light that has risen over the old world and brings the announcement of a new world. For the honest and upright, the life that has appeared in Jesus Christ has not appeared in vain. One could certainly ask whether it is really true that the Savior has kindled such a light in the world, whether we are not in complete darkness in spite of the Savior. Are there honest and upright people at all? That is precisely the question that Advent asks us. We should not look around and ask, Are there any honest and upright people? As if such persons should come down from heaven. It is enough that the truth has come to us from heaven in Jesus Christ. It is God who asks us, Can what I have spoken become true among you? Where are the honest and upright people who willingly hear and understand what I have said? Where are the bright, open eyes that can see and understand what I have said? Understand the light. Who truly hears and obeys the joyful message that the light shines? Please understand that for me, all is in good order. 
the light shines, the truth is made known to you, and the knowledge necessary for salvation is in you. But is all good order for you? Can the light now defy the darkness? Can it triumph? Do you who are Christians, Christ persons, do you see something of the change in all things, of the revelation of the life that is in this name you bear? Are you what you say you are? And your world, your poor, your sick, your weak, your sinners, and godless people, your mockers and slanderers, do they in any way sense or recognize that Christ the Savior has come? Does a breath of comfort, healing, and wellness go out into the sick world from you who are Christians? Have you done your part to let the light that you have penetrated into your families, into the social circumstances, into the relations of different people and nations to one another? I have laid hold of you, but have you understood me? In pure goodness I have found you and drawn you to me, but do you seek me? I have given you righteousness out of my grace, but are you now righteous? Suddenly the tables are turned. Now we are the ones being asked. The question that we want to ask of God is turned back on us. We are asked whether the light of Christmas really is light. So the answer that God gives our questions is calling us to account. He's asking us what we have made of the light that has long since been given us at Christmas. And now it is up to us to give answer to God. What are we to say? The text says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Over against the obvious clear fact of the light, there is another enigmatic, confused, incomprehensible fact of the darkness. Certainly we live from the light, but how does it happen that we can live life as if without it? How does it happen that we live with so many things on the basis of which one cannot live? Wrong pride, wrong fear, wrong love, wrong hate, wrong reverence, and wrong contempt. How does it happen that we want to put so much value on what is worthless and to depend on what is in decay? How does it happen that we so easily exchange God for a thousand greater and smaller idols? And how does it happen that as a consequence of our life is not real life, but only passing the time in dull, unhappy, and restless living? Yes, certainly the light shines, but how does it happen that we so seldom risk relying on this fact, standing on it and making it valid in our thoughts, words, and acts? Why do we have so little courage and so little humility? Why do dark things so quickly frighten us? And why are we so remarkably quick to forget that we were frightened? Why are we almost always to be found where one fearfully bows before the power of evil? When it really matters, why do we seek and find so many self-righteously clever reasons to place ourselves on the side of darkness? Why are non-essential things always so important and the essential things so unimportant? And how does it happen that we are constantly more in darkness than in light, more in concealment than in open clarity, more anxious than brave, more in judgment than in grace? How does this happen? Yes, certainly the Savior is our light. But it is not odd that we allow so little of the light of the Savior to enter into our work, 
into our relations, to other persons, into the events of our time, into conversations in our families, into our dealings with civil authorities and the organizations to which we belong. Why do we always take everything so seriously and find everything to be so important except for what has become serious and important through Christ? Why do we so constantly, so smartly, and practically deliberate all possible matters except for those that are necessary in view of the change in all things that has happened through the Savior? Is it any wonder when under these circumstances the light of Christmas, the redemption of the world, the coming of the kingdom of God becomes uncertain and doubtful? Is it any wonder... When they become something one hears about in church with only half an ear. Something that one not only for one moment risks including in one's actions outside the church because one must constantly fear that it is not true. Is is it any wonder when it often seems that the appearance of the life in Christ was for nothing, that it is not light of human beings? Dear friends, we must understand this situation as it is. When we ask where the light of the world is to be found, we can give God and ourselves only one answer. Here is the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended the light. We cannot explain the darkness or give reasons for it. It is inexplicable, unfathomable, without meaning or foundation. It is what should have long since disappeared, and yet it is still here. It is the impossible, and yet this impossibility is possible. What cannot at all be is. What is absolutely wrong and senseless stands there like a large block, boasting, as it were, of its presence. The darkness does not comprehend the light. The darkness is not a ghost, not fate, not a law of nature. It has a will, an evil will. It can comprehend, and it cannot comprehend. It exists as a personal being. All of this is an indication that the darkness is not something simply in the air. It is not in heaven or beneath the earth. It is rather in human beings. (coughs) Only the human being is capable of such artful, refined deceit, the very opposite of what is honest and upright. Only through this dishonesty and lack of uprightness does the human being who comprehends the light at the same time will not to comprehend it. The human being wills not to understand what one understands. The human being defies what one so sincerely wants, closing self to what is most necessary and simple. Based on human beings, life in the world becomes dark when it could have long since become light. The whole enigma of the darkness is in us, ourselves. We are in contradiction with ourselves. We have the truth, and we reject the truth. And in the same moment we reject it, we thirst for it. We are not honest and upright. There are a few things to say about this contradiction. The fact that we are not honest and upright must burn painfully. It must be painful that the contradiction and all these questions are indelibly present. It must be painful that the world is dark because of the darkness in us. This condition is not tolerable. It should be completely clear to us that there can be no peace as long as this condition persists. No peace in the soul, nor in our social and economic relations, nor among the different people and nations, nor anywhere in heaven or earth, as long as the contradiction is not resolved.
what is most important is left undone. Once we have only minimally recognized how things really are, we may no longer sleep. We are still much too mediocre, much too cunning, much too cautious. In this condition, we will make no progress. Now is the moment for you to wake from sleep. What is needed are persons who willingly and personally take on this serious need, cry out for change and work for it. There can be no standstill in the relationship of light and darkness. The war must go on. The message of Advent about the coming light requires that we become people of Advent, people who persistently await the victorious light. Where there are such people, Christmas can happen. Christ waits for people who will not compromise the light with darkness, neither in themselves nor in anything else, but who are moved by the serious need for the light of Christ and who are aware of whence the help comes. May God give that we may go forth to the festival of Christmas as moved and motivated people. Then we will experience Christmas with the gifts of grace and blessing. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com. Follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames. Like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames. And keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.